Hello everyone and welcome to the Talk Music Podcast where we chat everything and anything related to the world of music and occasionally go a little bit off topic. My name is Scott Cowie, I'm a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter and apparently now a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians focusing on their careers and lives within arguably the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every Thursday here at scottcowie.com. And now we're on iTunes. Please subscribe, rate, review, maybe give us five stars. And for now, enjoy the show. Guest this week in the podcast... Mr. Dweezil Zappa, guitar playing genius and of course son of Frank Zappa. Dweezil for many years has performed the Zappa Plays Zappa, paying homage to the amazing music of his father and right now he's on the road with Buddy Guy, Johnny Lang, Billy Cox, the bass player from, you've guessed it, the Jimi Hendrix Experience. They're doing a tour again, paying homage to Jimi Hendrix's music. Buddy Guy was a huge influence in Hendrix, and of course Hendrix has influenced everyone since. Dweezil Zappa is taking guitar playing to a whole new level. He had one day off on this tour that I'm referring to, and he decided he would spend some of that day speaking to us. It's going to be a good one. Before we get to the interview, I'm here with my um, my good friend that I really care about, and I'm generally just trying to look out for. Barry Caulfield, how are you? Good, good, thanks, Scott. Thanks for the, those kind words. This leads me on to what I'm going to speak about. Right. Now, Barry never, ever knows anything that we're going to speak about these intros and outros, because I outlined to him very clearly that it's got to be authentic. Nothing can be pre-planned, as they say. Yep. But um, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Just conscious of the fact that a lot of people are emailing you, they're getting you on Twitter, um, and stating that they're happy with your contribution to the podcast. Yeah. And I'm thinking maybe you're getting a little bit carried away. That's all I'm saying, you know? I just think the success success breeds failure, as they say. All right. And I think the success of this podcast... Is that, um, how, is that how you feel about it? Yeah, I think you're just getting a wee bit carried away a little bit. Like, you know, the first episode, you're slagging Wayne Rooney. Um, uh, you know, you're in the next couple of episodes, you're just becoming... Ron, what do you think... A little bit. You slide bass players? You slide bass I've just bass constant, <laughs> just honestly, all the time, just, just I just think your ego is... Well, I think we've got to remember is, yeah. it's the Scott Kibbe podcast, yeah. it's my idea, mm-hmm. it's my whole thing, I put all this together, and I should get the credit for it, there shouldn't be any egos here. Right. You know, and I just think that you maybe, you know, are just getting a wee bit carried away to the point where, um, I know a guy... Dr. Phil Toll, uh, who's, who's Metallica's therapist. All oh, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, you've seen yeah. the film, yeah, right? The film. Yeah, you yeah. love the film, right? Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I get on really well with Phil. <laughs> How would you feel about a bit of a therapy session with Phil? How would that... Are you are you joking? No, I'm being, I'm being totally serious. I think that might be something that could be good for the fans to listen to so that Barry doesn't carry the way because what we don't want is you becoming a drug addict um, as a result of all this, getting carried mm-hmm. away the success to the mm-hmm. point where you end up living in your car. Yep. Um, we don't want that. How would you feel about... I, I don't think I need therapy. I think it'd be a really good thing for you. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not up for that. Are you sure? I'm 
Yeah. I, I think we should maybe do it because I could say to Phil. What do you mean? What do you mean? Is he here could, just now? He's not here just now, but if I could maybe contact him, I could give him a, a, a Skype call and I could say to him, I'm worried no. about my friend Barry. No, he's I'm getting like, a wee no. bit carried away with it. No. I, I was kind of hoping Barry would agree to this no. and he's not, he's not agreeing <laughs> with it. But what, how would you, will I give him my phone just now? No, I don't. I'm, you're being serious. I'm being totally serious. How about if I give Phil, Phil a call? I'll give him a call. No. Oh, it's going to be fine. I'm calling. No. I'm calling him now. I'm, I'm calling him now. Don't. But Barry's <laughs> trying to walk away. And I'm genuinely grabbing him here, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to call Phil because I've I've, I've kind of already said to him. I'm a bit worried about you. No. I, 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 no. I'm not doing it. I, did, I said to him earlier. I says my, my, the new co-host Barry. Silly. I'm getting a bit worried about him. I think he could be. You know, James Hetfield from Metallica went into rehab. I think Barry's going down the same direction. Um, Phil, you're the only guy I know that can sort this problem out. So let's let's get him on the phone right now, Barry. No, ba- no, Barry, no. get back. Stop. Barry, Barry. Cut, cut Ron. No, cut. no, 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 Ron. <laughs> dial it, Ron. Dial it, dial it. Here we go. Right, we're, we're calling him. We're calling him right now. We're doing it. We're right. doing it. We are doing it. <laughs> Hello, Phil. How you doing? What happened, boys? How you doing? I'm good, Very Phil. Good to meet you, man. Nice to meet you. I, I obviously nice. introducing you to my uh, friend. I am a little bit worried about at the moment, Phil. His name is Barry. Um, so right. yeah. I've just spoken to him about this um, situation that we're in at the moment. Um, the podcast over here in the UK and indeed in America is achieving a lot of success. And I'm just a little bit concerned for my for my friend here, you know, because, Phil, you've worked with some of the most successful people in the world. Um, you know, they get carried away with the success or whatever. I think Barry's going down that road. Um, his ego is just is just getting ridiculous, Phil. What, what, I mean, what's your immediate thoughts on this? When I when I reached out to you, what were your thoughts? Immediately, I mean, his ego is getting too big for him. Is what you're saying? That's absolutely yeah. right. No question. I mean, okay, so I mean, you got to do something. Everything that anything that he does, you automatically criticize. That's the first thing you do. Okay. That I mean, sounds like a, that sounds, sounds like a lot of fun. You do that already. Uh, I mean, you, it, I, I don't care, you know, whatever he does, when he walks in, he looks he looks bad to you. You never say anything nice to him, right? Right. And you criticize when you get a chance. Right. And you're relentless and you don't back down. The you lesson, that, Scott? You're, you're doing you all that, that as we speak. So you think I should just amp up the criticism of Barry? <laughs> you think I should just really go to town with it? Because you, you, you feel, I mean, you've listened to the podcast, no doubt, with, with Barry on him. Do you feel that he's trying to maybe take over a little bit? Because he's forgetting that it's my show. It's my whole thing. And Absolutely, they're, they're, there's no question about it. He has lost respect for you at some level. I don't, I mean, because yeah. he won't even remember you down the road. So it's all over. And that's, that's totally, uh, you know, it, it's very dangerous for Barry to, to get to this place in his life where he's, where he's lost touch with the reality that he's just a mediocre human being trying to pretend. Wow. I tell you what, Phil, I mean, what amazes me about yourself? It's not healthy for him if he, if, he gets this, if he gets too grand and extravagant with the way he, you know, thinks of himself. He's going to run into a, uh, some real problems down the road. And we need to help him with this right now, yeah. Scott. I mean, this is an urgent issue. As, you as have felt. to do something with him now because if his ego gets out of control, he's going to be crushed down the road. Yes. And when he's crushed down the road, he's not going to have, you know, he's not going to be able to handle it. He's so lost perspective, Phil. He's lost Pardon? perspective. He's Say totally what? out of touch and he has lost perspective. Oh, yes, of course. Of course. I, I would... He has no perspective. 
Can Gary, I just? I'm sorry, but I mean, this is this is all for your good. It's, so it's it is it's, it's tough love, isn't it, Phil? I may be in denial. I don't think I've got it's a problem. Tough hate. Tough hate is what's required. <laughs> tough, <laughs> tough hate. Excellent. Let's let's hear a little bit from Barry now, Phil. It's great, a, a great insight. What I liked about there, the, the best thing that you said there, Phil, and that was a lot of fantastic stuff. But that line, he's just a mediocre human being. <laughs> yes. Just absolutely. And, and he, to, he needs to learn to accept. Barry, you need to learn to accept your mediocrity. Embrace it. Embrace it. As a matter of fact, there's a book in that. There are two books in that for, for you, and if you can write them, maybe you'll elevate to a level of average that will, that, that will be respectable. And, you know, look, one is accept, you know, all of these books, these self-help books are bullshit. Mm -hmm. So if, if it's, you know, a book about accept one's mediocrity, embrace, embrace mediocrity, it would be a, a smash. Yeah. Tough hate would be another one. Tough hate. Tough, yeah. Tough hate. Scott Love could it. write the tough hate one. And you could write the accept, embrace mediocrity, yeah. Barry. This is great. Phil, let's get Barry's thoughts on this immediately because, it Phil, I'm so glad that I reached out to you and you were in Thank agreement that, that we've taken what I've come to know as a humble human being and he, now he's just a monster, you know? So, so Barry, let's get I, your thoughts on this. We, wait a minute, Scott, wait a minute. Do we really need to listen to him? <laughs> I mean, maybe I mean, the best thing to do would be just keep him silent through this whole period right now. I think you'd lose a lot of fans. He's saying that as a result of him keeping silent would lose us a lot of fans. Phil, does that not um, highlight every single point that you're making that this man is getting totally carried away with things? Clearly, clearly. I, I don't, I, I'm open to listening to him, but I think it might be disrespectful to him to, to listen to him because he's going <laughs> he's gonna to try to combat what we're saying. Yes. And he's going to try and put a spin on it. He does that. He's going to he try and put that, a. He's going to put a horrible, sinister politician-like spin on it, and he's going to try and disrespect you, Phil. So what we'll do, Phil, um, you're more than welcome to go and um, grab a, 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 a water just now. Um, you're, we'll, we'll hear, or you can listen to what Barry's got to say. It's, it's entirely up to yourself. But what I'm saying is, I don't want you to put in a put you in a position where you feel as if you have to listen to that guy because I don't want to disrespect you because because you're. Obviously, a really good friend of mine and someone who I respect dearly. So Barry's going to speak right now, but I'm just giving you the warning that he's going to talk right now, Phil. Just giving you that warning. Here we go, Barry. What's your immediate thoughts on all of this? I mean, it's, uh, what do you think? I didn't think I had a problem. I didn't think I was getting above my station, but um, I obviously am. Mm -hmm. And I, I need to take a step back. And I'm glad Dr. Phil's on here to help me out. And if, if there was steps for me to take, initial steps to start off, what should they be, Dr. Phil? Uh, well, am I supposed to say something to that? <laughs> you've you've annoyed this man. To that? He's, I, I, I guess I could. I mean, what, what did you take? What was your take on that, Scott? Was it was it was it a genuine act of humility there? <sighs> It's difficult to tell. What what um, worries me, Phil, is I don't have the experience that you have in dealing with these kind of people. Um, so I'm a little bit naive to it. Sometimes I'm fooled into thinking that these people are humble. But you've identified that that's not the case. I take well, it. I'm I mean, I want to believe. I want to believe in Barry. He looks like a good man. You know, I mean, he sounds like a good. He sounds like a good intentioned guy. So, you know, I, I'll back off a little bit because, I mean, the shock of I want him to. I want him uh, to to reduce this false sense of ego as fast as he can because it's dangerous. I heard a man there that was attempting to be humble. Did you? <clears throat> I think so. I think it was an incredibly I mean, good. No. 
An incredibly good monologue. An incredibly good monologue, Phil. And we know what they are. There's there's someone behind that and they're just simply reading lines. That's what I've seen right there. I think you might be right about that. You know? Well, listen, Phil, we appreciate you coming on and trying as much as I've tried to resolve this situation, but maybe we're beyond that. Maybe we're, we're just the... the we're maybe just he's beyond help maybe that's what it is we are sitting here talking to the man that Lars Ulrich and the rest of Metallica said saved that band and he feels as if he can't save Barry Caulfield that's the situation we're in right now let's not mess about here (laughs) let's not mess around it's not it's not an insult that's that's true I you know I there's I like though there was a I, I maybe I'm slipping here okay in a few moments his humility has has touched me a little bit because I felt a little warm glow inside of me Yep. And I'm looking at him here. He's a he's a decent looking chap. He's a, he's he seems like he might be sincere, and maybe maybe it's just that this you know he's caught a wave of egocentrism that it comes with celebrity that's dangerous. Yeah, because we know that, right, Scott? Absolutely. We know how dangerous that. Is. No, it's amazing to think that one thing. If there is a huge positive about my friend here, Barry, is that. The likes of, we mentioned them earlier again, Metallica, they sold millions, a hundred million records. Um, they struggled to deal with that. They came to you for help, Phil. But the good thing about Barry is, he doesn't need to sell any records to have a massive ego. You know, <laughs> that's that's something that's really positive about him. He doesn't need any level of success to get totally carried away with things, which is a huge positive. And, and, uh, Scott, I think Barry, I think Scott could take over for me. I, I'm impressed with the way Scott's handling the situation right now. Yeah, yeah. you can join my team anytime. <laughs> well, listen, Phil, we'll we'll talk about perhaps setting up a, a, a new. I mean, this is this is this is a this is just another level. Phil saved Metallica. He can't even begin to think how he's going to save Barry. That's where we're at right now. Phil, an absolute pleasure for you joining us again. Thank you. Um, we are going to get to an interview with Mister Dweezil Zappa. Um, thanks for joining us, Phil. I, and you guys are going to do that right now, right? Well, we're going to do that. Whether Barry's going to be with me, I really don't know, Phil. Where we go from here, it's anybody's guess. It just, you know, do the best you can with the circumstances you're inheriting and the person you're working alongside of, Scott. Remember to keep him humble as best you can, right? As, like I said, put things in perspective. Help Barry be the man that he's capable of being. Embrace his mediocrity with tough hate. All right, <laughs> tough hate, <laughs> Phil. Lots, you... lots, of, lots of hate out there, guys. I was going to say lots of love, which is more of what I really feel. But you know, instead, in this situation, lots of hate. Phil, right now, you're genuinely my favorite human being. <laughs> On earth, okay. Now that's dangerous. That's dangerous. Phil, have a good day, okay. See ya. Your therapy session. I can't believe you just put me through. (laughs) What? 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 It's just. What's wrong? Well, you know, I'm just being a good friend. See, the thing is, is you are doing all of that anyway. What? I mean, this tough love. You know, giving me the hard, a hard time. You're doing it anyway. It's obviously not working. It's n- Phil yeah. was great. Embrace the mediocrity. Yeah, I need uh, to. I need to. Uh, how do you feel that therapy session went? Do you feel a lot better afterwards? You must. It must be quite uplifting for yourself. A good confidence booster. Yeah, a lot of you know deep deep thinking went on after that. Yeah, it was great. I yeah. mean, he got you spot on. He was so. He was. He, he was very diplomatic. 
wasn't he? He, he was, was, he was very diplomatic. Yeah, yeah. He just he identified a couple of little issues that you might have to address. Yep. But overall, I thought he was very positive about you, would you think? There's there's a lot of healing to go in now. A lot of healing. Yep. But he's here. He, he said, I mean, it, it seemed to be quite a, an easy little issue for him, you know, in yeah, the sense that he had yeah. to solve the problem of all the Metallica. Yeah. Um, they were going through a crisis. Yep. He walked in there. Not a problem to him, with you. I think I've I think I've pushed him. I think he's 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 struggling to yeah. to, to find an answer to how to um no I, I, to humble Barry. Yeah, you know, great amazing guy, but amazing guy. I took everything that he said on board <laughs> when he focus it and channel it. He's just here to help and do it. I'm just here to help. It's just it. tough love, man. It's but just tough tough hate. You know, maybe my tough name hate. my name should be on the podcast now or something like that. You know. There he goes again, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You know, just getting just getting carried away. Oh, the first joke, episode, ripping Wayne yeah, Rooney yeah. And, and and his family. No, and, and just and that's the stuff that went on here. Can you imagine the stuff right now that we had to edit out, Ron? What was that like? That was a horrible editing session, taking out all of Barry's hate for Wayne. Rooney. Oh my god! So oh, oh, so much hate. But I tell you what, from hate to love, I've got so much love in my heart for the Zappa family. In particular, Dweezil Zappa, so let's get right down to it. It's going to be a good one. Okay, we're back on the Talk Music Podcast with Mr. Dweezil Zappa. How are you, Dweezil? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm all right, yeah. So tell us about this tour that you're currently on, Dweezil. I am on the Jimi Hendrix Experience Tour, um, and it's a tour that is put together by the... uh, family of uh, Jimi Hendrix and uh, Janie Hendrix and John McDermott are the, the ones that put it all together. They uh, invite a bunch of different uh, guitar players that have uh, some sort of influence of uh, Jimi Hendrix and um, we play about, I don't know, I think there's about 30 songs in the show, something close to that. And then uh, um, it's just a, a celebration of, of Jimi's music and you hear all these uh, different guitarists um, either playing note-for-note versions or different interpretations of things. So there's a wide variety of stuff, but it's, it's a great night of music. Excellent. What's your favorite Hendrix song to play, Dweezil? Well, um, there are a lot of great songs. Uh, I don't get to play too many songs in the show, but uh, I think you know one of the riffs that I like the most is Spanish Castle Magic. Um, but I'm about to um, start playing uh, all along the Watchtower in the show, so that's that's one I like a lot too. Superb. Now, just on the subject of Hendrix, Dweezil, you've actually got one of Jimi Hendrix's guitars. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that guitar is a special guitar, obviously. It's uh, got some history. My dad was friends with Jimi, and they both played at the Miami Pop Festival. And... Um, Prior to Jimmy arriving at that festival, he had burned a guitar in London at the Astoria, and um, he gave that guitar to my dad um, via his roadie at the time, and uh, my dad had it hanging on his wall in his basement for a while. It was mainly just the body that survived. The guitar neck was destroyed, and the electronics were destroyed, but the uh, body was burned up, but still intact uh, and then eventually my dad actually had it rebuilt uh, and made it playable so he was on the cover of Guitar Player Magazine in 1977 with that 
with that guitar, and he played it in various different stages um, from the you know from '77 to about '82, uh, and then the guitar kind of disappeared. I found it at our house under a staircase, and then I had it rebuilt for my dad uh, for a birthday present. Uh, he ended up giving it to me, um, and I recently uh, had um, refurbished it to make it back to the way it looked in 1977. So it's it's had several different cosmetic changes besides being you know, burned to bits. <laughs> Excellent. Now, there's been a lot of rumors about that guitar itself, Dweezil, one of them being that that was the guitar that your dad used on Zoot Allures. Is that correct? Uh, I don't think he used that guitar on Zoot Allures, um, but uh, I'm almost certain he used it on Watermelon and Easter Hay in the studio. Zoot Allures, um, he... It would it would have to depend if he did any overdubs on that. Which um, the original track was uh, from Japan, and all the photos I've seen of the Strat that he was using in Japan was that he was using this other um, Sunburst one that he used on this tour that was in Japan and Australia. Um, but uh, I know he uh, used the, the Hendrix one extensively uh, in, in the studio for certain things. Being um, a young man, being about that Frank, that Zappa household, you must have some great stories about um, being surrounded by amazing musicians at such a young age. What are your memories of that time frame? Well, the thing that was um, obviously great was to, to be able to see all the players that were in Frank's band um, playing his music. Um, when I would listen to what my dad was doing or see what he was doing with the band and then hear things from other people, other kind of music on the radio or whatever. I always thought to myself, well, where's the rest of it? You know, there's no, where's the other instrumentation? Where's all the tricky hard bits? Cause, uh, you know, my dad's music was very much a, a you know, a force of its own. Uh, and there's nothing that sounds like it. So I did, uh, like to see, all the people that were playing his music uh, because, you know, they were obviously uh, at the, the height of their abilities uh, and being challenged to, uh, to play some very difficult music. So um, that was inspirational to me as, uh, as an, as, uh, you know, as I was becoming uh, interested in playing instruments and, um, and so, you know, I can see that happening when I when there's kids that come to our shows and see see the band playing this hard music, and whenever we talk to them and they ask questions like, "How do you guys learn that stuff?" You know, it's it's the same cycle of of you know what I saw when I was a kid. So it's I know that um, it, it's one of those things that uh, can be passed down, and and that's how this kind of uh, music and the the um, desire to to be the best that you can be at something um and do it in a musical way not just because it's about uh you know a technical achievement um that's the uh that's the thing that uh is important to pass on 
Excellent. Now, a lot of our listeners are very excited about the thought of you being on today. One of them is a guy called Ted Blakeway, who runs a, a recording studio in here in Scotland um, called the Foundry Music Lab. Ted's actually such a big fan that he, he named uh, his, his son's middle name is actually Dweezil, believe it or not. So there you go. Um, and he wants to know, is there any plans to release any high-definition 96K to 24-bit versions of Frank's albums on download or Blu-ray audio? Uh, you know, unfortunately, there's not such a big uh, demand for that, you know, that it would um, enable us to um, get resources to do that kind of project. So maybe for special releases of anniversary records, but the whole catalog uh, is not necessarily going to get a uh, another round of... Um, you know, uh, treatment for, for downloads and stuff. The, the, the main whole catalog was already remastered um, all back from the analog sources. So there, there's a um, quite a, a big improvement in the sound of the, um, the whole catalog. Um, but I don't think that there's any immediate plans to do any um, high-resolution download stuff. Hang on a second there, Dweezil. We're just going to advertise some of our previous episodes. Previous episodes. We have a ton of brilliant previous episodes for you guys to check out here at scottcowie.com and, of course, on iTunes. Episode 1, Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols. Episode 2, Huey Morgan from the Fun Loving Criminals. Episode 3, Sandy Tom. Episode 4, Brian Ray from Paul McCartney's Band. Episode 5, Orianti. Episode 6, Mr. Bob Jacobs from NASA. Episode 7, Dr. Phil Toll, Metallica's Therapist. Episode 8, Graham Clark and Graham Duffin from Wet, Wet, Wet. Episode 9, Andy McKee. Episode 10, Steve Craddock from Ocean Colour Scene. Episode 11, Amazing Producer, Cliff Goldmacher. Episode 12, Steve White, Oasis the Who and Paul Weller. Episode 13, Martin Taylor, MBE. Episode 14, Stuart Copeland from The Police. And episode 15, this one right here, right now, Mr. Dweezil Zappa. Available on scottkibby.com and iTunes. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Tell us about the song that you wrote for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Dweezil. Well, uh, I played on a, a song. It was actually with the Nelson Brothers. Um, and uh, it was a, a demo that we had done for something that was a tune of theirs. And then it ended up in the movie... Uh, I didn't even know it was going to be in the movie. Uh, uh, I found out about it when I saw the movie. I was like, wait a minute. Nobody told me about that. So there was a little strange hiccup in how that all worked because I had to go back to them and say, uh, yeah, what was the deal with that going on there and nobody telling me about it? Right. <laughs> right, good. So it was good that you got that cleared up eventually then. So tell us, how did you assemble the Zappa Play Zappa band? Um, the Zappa Play Zappa project started with me just getting the idea that I wanted to move forward with this and, and, you know, it came from just seeing that there are a lot of people that were under 30 that if you mentioned the name Frank Zappa, they said, who? And so to me that, uh, that just didn't seem right because, um, the, all the accomplishments that my dad uh, 
made, you know, within his career, uh, and the the things the the all of the the things that he really brought to the music industry, uh, whether it was music or uh, technological advancements in the studio or live uh, technological advancements in terms of you know how you can present music and building PA systems and and all of these things you know he he really helped shape a lot of uh, you know how music was made um, and some people aren't aware about some of those kind of things uh, so anyway you know to me it just seemed like more information um, should be out there for future generations to to appreciate and um, so I decided to put the project together and you know the, the whole goal was to be able to play the music with a band that had no previous affiliation and show that um, younger generations could uh, if they put their mind to it um, learn this music and play it well and play it commensurate with the, the the music that exists in the catalog, you know, because the best example is that really it's it's classical music, you know, the, the majority of, of the, the music that Frank wrote was classical music. He used a rock band as his orchestra, but, you know, the, that kind of uh, approach is what is needed to to you know appreciate the music and, and carry it forward because uh, uh, you know another an example that I, I give people is that some people say oh well you to make it uh, appeal to a modern audience you have to change it you have to make it sound like it's current and I I always disagree with that because if you're talking about classical music uh, you don't have orchestras getting together. Uh, and taking the music scores and changing them or, you know, bringing in things that don't need to be there. Like you wouldn't have a rapper uh, come into a, a Beethoven performance and go, yeah, Beethoven, yeah, one time. You, know, you, <laughs> you don't need that to make it uh, sound like uh, this is music that needs to be appreciated now. You know, it's, it is what it is and it's on paper. And that's the, the thing that's worth uh, preserving. So, um, you know, my approach is more that we're a small repertory ensemble that really tries to play uh, the music as it's written, uh, you know, uh, to respect the composer. And um, so that's, you know, that was the challenge. How do you find people that can play the, the music, but also... Uh, respect their own role in the music and uh, so you know over time there's been different people that have come in and out of the band um, and that's pretty normal my dad would have uh, you know different people every year or so uh, that were coming in and out of the band because you know it, it's it's hard to keep a band together for any length of time um, particularly when you have uh, music that's really hard to play. Absolutely, yeah. Talking of music that's hard to, hard to play, what do you think has been the hardest song or one of the hardest songs that you've tried to um, to have the band perform and try and copy what's in the records? 
Um, recently we did a tour uh, where we played the entire Roxy and Elsewhere album. Right. And uh, the song, the Bebop Tango, is on that record, and that one is very hard uh, for a number of reasons. It has some tricky rhythms in it, but it's also intervallically, uh, it's a difficult piece to hear as a melody because the, uh, the, the actual structure of, of the melody is uh, different chromatic pitches that are leaping in octaves. And so it, it's a very uh, uh, angular type of sounding melody. And uh, it takes a long time to listen to it, to, to hear it as a melody. A lot of people just think it's random and that uh, there's no composition in there, but it indeed is composed to sound exactly as it is. Excellent. We've got a question from one of our listeners, Liam Grogan, and he asks, and he states first of all that you've um, got a chance to collaborate with so many different people. If there's one person um, around just now that you, that you haven't had a chance to collaborate with that you'd like to, who would that be and why? Well, I have a record that I've been working on for a long time that is uh, called What the Hell Was I Thinking? And it has all these different guitar players on it, and it's best described as an audio movie. And all these different scenes keep changing, and different people appear in these different scenes. And there's several guitarists that uh, I have uh, been in touch with over the years to to try to schedule getting them on this record. Um, so some of those people I would still like to get on there would be Jeff Beck, uh, Jimmy Page, Tony Iommi, um, you know, some other players like Mark Knopfler and, and David Gilmore. Uh, some of the people that are already on it are uh, Eric Johnson, Brian May, Angus and Malcolm Young, uh, Steve Vai, Eddie Van Halen, uh, um, you know, there's there's a huge long list of about 40 people that are already on it, but it's a um, piece of music that is constantly changing and has all these different styles. So I would like to be able to have um, some of these other guys uh, play on it, so that it really just becomes this uh, unique piece of music that has uh, all of these different well-known guitar voices on it. So it would be the equivalent of seeing a, a movie and having like every well-known actor in it, but they're all doing a bit part or they're, they're you know, an extra in the background. You know, it's like a, a scene filled with everybody that you know. So it's just kind of a strange concept. Excellent, Dweez. Well, listen, it's been absolutely brilliant talking to you today. Um, I hope the rest of the tour goes well. How is Buddy Guy doing? He's great. He's uh, always in a good mood, and he's very, uh, very kind to everybody on the tour. And uh, you know, it's it's good to see him out there doing uh, what he's doing because he he sounds uh, as good or better than he ever did. Excellent, superb. Well, thanks very much, and we'll we'll speak to you later on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks. That, that was unbelievable, wasn't it? Unbelievable, Scott. Usually Barry um, uh, waits till laugh, started speaking, but he's... I he's, just jumped straight in. He just jumped straight in there, because you're a big Zappa fan. We used to talk about Zappa all the time. We used to be sitting listening to him um, when we were at college together, and we used to say, 
being in that band, all those different time signatures, because they had to read, you know, they had to read aye, all the music. Aye, um, it's just fascinating to know that Dweezil has been in a position where he has to imitate and, and follow uh, in the footsteps of his father. And aye. what a great job he's done. Aye, he's done an amazing job. Absolutely amazing job. We watched that YouTube clip earlier. Dweezil Zappa with Steve Vai on stage and they're doing a guitar duel, right? Now, I said to Dweezil, I said, was that intimidating, right? Being in that situation. So that's like Barry on the stage with Victor Wooten. How would you feel? How would you approach? So you've got to do a base, base battle a ba- with a Victor. A base off with Victor. A base off with Victor. That sounds the most ridiculous. Nobody would come to see that, would they? I, I, would, ba- start, I would start as simple as I could. Would you? <laughs> like, Aye. Just play like one note at a time. Just, I mean, let him up it. And then I, I'd end up blowing him off the stage. I'll be honest. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm clearly. It's a joke. That is a joke. Just say something. Don't say. Just say something that I'm. It was a joke, wasn't it? Um, it was a joke. It goes to the point that we we're making earlier. Barry's clearly getting carried away. He does a couple of podcasts and he's telling everybody he's better than Victor Witten. It's no, just ridiculous, it's, you know. Uh, I don't. I want that scrapped. I don't want this on. The don't worry. We we we'll, we'll edit. We'll edit that bit out. <laughs> Definitely. This is not going to appear online. Don't worry about it. The, but to be serious, absolutely brilliant. One of the best musicians going. And again, just like a lot of people we've had in this podcast, extremely humble. What know. is it with these people? Know. You know, they're too nice. They're far too nice. We need to get somebody on that's. Slating you and giving you a hard time. We need to get some. We need to get somebody on that's saying some really controversial stuff. You know, I could, I could go down that road if you want. Go for it. Just, just no. say something really controversial. Go for it. Anything. Give you. Have you got any extremist views on uh, uh, bass guitars? No, I don't. I, I, I'm afraid. I don't want to, for you and your <sighs> podcast no. to lose any listeners. If I was to say, you know, guys that use picks. What's that all about? Guys that use plectrums on the bass. Yeah. What's your thoughts on this thing? Not, I'm not a fan. I'll no, be why honest. not? But see, are you? Do you? Ah, oh, see, I knew. <laughs> I'm in the room when Ron uses the plectrum. Barry's forgetting this is an audio podcast. He's looking at Ron, our producer, who also plays bass, and Barry going, "Do you? Do you? What's happening there?" Is Barry's inadvertently asking Ron the question if he uses a plectrum? Ron, Ron is nodding his head quite furiously. I play punk though, so... He's saying he plays punk. I I think that microphone will pick you up there, Ron. But Barry, um, you're opposed to a plectrum on the bass? No. No, Not for certain styles. Is anybody noticing that Barry's a bit of a yes man? Two minutes ago, he's totally against the idea. And now, when somebody else in the room plays a pack... No, I'm not against it. I think it's a great thing. I totally turn it. I just turn it to drop your hat. But... No, what for is certain styles, the- for certain styles, like as Ron was saying, for punk stuff like that, that's fine. But when you see guys up there trying to play, you know, funk, funk or jazz stuff, and they've they've got the plectrum, they're trying to do it. You're just like, no, you you know, there's there's things, certain styles and techniques for certain, you know, styles and techniques. There's certain styles and techniques for, for certain, certain styles, styles and techniques. And techniques. Barry Caulfield, 2014. Mind. It doesn't make any sense. That's a great quote. It's not a great that, quote. That is a great quote. There's never going to be a statue of Barry Caulfield with that quote underneath it. There's great styles and techniques for great styles and techniques. Plectrum on a bass, it's not a great sound for that stuff. That for that style. stuff, that's what I tried to say from the start. And I knew you would just turn it and make it... I would articulate it in a better... Aye. Uh, kind of... Not I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know what you mean, though. I can't, have I seen you play a plectrum with... No. I, play I, a bass with a plectrum, I'll, I should I'll say. I'll put my hands up and say I can't, I can't really do it. It's, it's That's something. why he doesn't like it Because he is incapable yeah. I can imagine Barry playing in a punk band Look at Barry, Ron, right now For yes. the listeners, go to Barry's Facebook Where are you on Facebook? Where are you facebook.com forward slash Forward slash, I think it's Baza Bass <laughs> Baza Bass With two Z's Z. 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 like character <laughs> Sesame Street 
I think so. I can't add that. I, I, I see if the Sex Pistols get back together. And Glenn Matlock, who's been on episode one of this podcast, it's a great interview. Should go and check it out. If Glenn decides he doesn't want to do it, he's, he's away playing with the faces. I think they should call Baza Bass. Uh, Could you imagine Johnny Rotten on the stage with Baza Bass? It would depend on the money. It really would for me. <laughs> Who is this guy? Who is this clown? Gone. I believe I've got to deal with us. Anyway, we went way off topic just as usual. But again, great interview with Dweezil Zappa. Dweezil, you said you would listen back to this and really, really appreciate it right now that you've uh, taken the time out of your tour with the Hendrix experience. Unbelievable. He's on the stage with Buddy Guy and Johnny Lang every night. Fantastic. Dweezil, we love you. Thanks again. And we will see you guys next week.